everyone, and welcome to the Vori's IP VIP podcast. My name is Jeremy Harrison, and I will be your host for this episode. Today, we're speaking with Tony Venturino, who's a partner in the Washington, D.C. office of Vori's Sater, Seymour & Pease, and a member of the Intellectual Property and Technology Group. Tony will be discussing patenting advice for startup companies and small inventors. This episode should be of interest to companies and inventors wondering how to protect an innovation they want to market or leverage. And now here's my conversation with Tony. Today, we're speaking with Tony Venturino, who is a partner in the Vori's Washington, D.C. office and also a member of the Technology and Intellectual Property Group. Tony received his law degree from the George Washington University Law School and received both his master's and bachelor's degrees in chemical engineering from Manhattan College. Tony is a frequent lecturer on U.S. patent and trademark practice and currently serves as one of 12 directors on the board of American Intellectual Property Law Association, or the AIPLA. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, great. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about patenting advice for startup companies or, you know, generally new or small inventors that are looking to capitalize on a new invention. So with that, let's just jump right into it. Can you kind of give us a base idea of what a patent is and why should startups actually care about them? Well, a patent protects your your big discoveries. Basically, it stops other people from doing whatever it is that you've invented. And although there's always going to be a pirate that'll recklessly copy an invention, for the large part with legitimate competitors, they actually will at least prevent, if not provide a speed bump to stop them from copying your inventions. Also, if the startup gets bought out one of these days, the buyer is really going to look at their patent protection to make sure that what's most valuable is being protected. Yeah, so a a good, strong patent portfolio could be a plus when it comes to venture capitalism or actually a buyout. Absolutely. All right. What kind of patents are there then that a startup should be looking at? Well, there's two general categories, design patents and utility patents. Design patents protect what something looks like. It's ornamental rather than functional features. A lot of design patents on the iPhone, for example. And utility patents more protect what the invention is rather than what it looks like. So it could be the steps of the invention or its parts. It could be a composition, could be the, a product, software, for example, or just a method of making or using something. Right. So a patent, I think this is a common misconception by people that are unfamiliar with intellectual property. A patent um, doesn't protect your logo or a slogan, or that's more along the lines of your trademark. Correct. Um, and so, so patents are more about the utility aspects is what you're looking for. That's right. Yeah. So, so what are some of your advantages, some of your disadvantages of filing types of patent applications? Well, in the United States, you can either file your first case as a provisional or a non-provisional. Strange, they've never come up with a better word for the second category except non-provisional. But the provisional category, it's an application that's a placeholder, doesn't really get examined, but gives you a, a stake in the invention in that you've been able to tell the patent office, as of the day I filed this provisional, I have this invention. That gives you a year to file the non-provisional application, that's the one that really gets examined by the patent examiner. And the big advantage of that is during that year, you have time to further develop the invention, market the invention, and just take everything into account to decide, do you really want to file with the patent examiner in the US? And at the same time, you have to file abroad. You have a whole year to decide, do you want to spend the money for filing at least in the US, if not elsewhere? Right. So I think the provisional route, one of the benefits and what makes it appealing to some startups or small inventors is that you get that patent pending status 
Um, and Immediately. You, start, you can start marketing it. You can start disclosing it to other people without worrying about losing any patent rights. So, Tony, are there disadvantages to filing maybe a provisional outright instead of going straight to your non-provisional? The examiner won't start examining for a year. That's the big thing. So you lose maybe some term of enforceability, if you will. Well, yeah. Well, you know, if, if you haven't got the market out there yet, uh, you may be able to find that nobody else has got it either. And if you're going on the market and they start seeing it, they could start copying it. And so that can be a scary thing. Right. Okay. Good. Well, hypothetically, you get your startup, you got a small inventor, they've got their invention, they think it's the next best thing. Can they file pro se? Do they have to contact an attorney? Theoretically, they can file pro se, but it's usually a bad idea because there are so many technicalities to what's called the claims at the end of the patent. Even if you, if you describe your invention, the one way you're doing it, you probably haven't given enough generalization to describe the alternatives. And you probably haven't given enough details sometimes to even tell the office exactly how you're doing it. And if you miss any of those details, you can't get a valid claim. Okay. Yeah. So it would be recommended in most cases to contact a patent practitioner, I should say, not necessarily attorney, but somebody that's, that's right. versed in patent laws and can draft something for you. Right. Okay. Let's switch gears just a little bit. I want to talk about preparing to file or preparing to actually prepare the patent application. It's sometimes recommended to, to file a prior art search. Can you get into that? Tell us what a prior art search is and why somebody would want to do that before they, they actually look into drafting something. Oh, if, if you have the time to do the prior art search, it's a great idea. By that, I'm saying, you know, you're not having a convention tomorrow and you've got to file before tomorrow, which is always rough. But you want to have a, a quick, short look just to see what is out there, at least in one or two major databases. By saying short, it's only a few hours of searcher time. So they're not going to find everything. And at litigation, they'll spend weeks searching to find as we call it, the killer reference. Mm -hmm. But it will give you a general idea of what is the state of the art. If you're lucky, it'll also give you some really close patents that you can distinguish over now rather than being blindsided later on. What happens after you file is your case is pretty much cast in stone. And if you don't have the details that distinguish over the prior art in that case when you file it, you can't add it later. And doing a prior art search helps you get those details into the case early, as well as decide if you have something new. Because if you don't have anything new enough, you probably won't even want to file the application. Right. Yeah, I recommend clients uh, do that prior art search. It's, there's no use in spending thousands of dollars preparing a patent application, filing a patent application, only to find out that there's a reference. Somebody's already invented your invention. So That's let's right. forego that. Let's, let's do the prior art search. So what kind of fees and costs can a startup or an inventor expect to pay for preparing and filing a patent application? It's all across the board, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, just a search can be anywhere from 1000 to, say, 2500 for a patentability search. A application can be anywhere from 6000 to 20000 It depends. Are we talking something very simple where it's very clear how it distinguishes over the art or something where even if it's simple, it's very subtle that has to be explained, or it's something that is very complicated that is going to need a lot of explanation. But that gives you kind of a range. I'd say average. It's usually somewhere in that 10 to 15 range. 
So what you're telling me is the answer is it depends. Not, not unlike any, you know, no. lawyer answer, right? It depends, right? That's <laughs> so right. yes, it, it does. It will depend on, based on the complexity of your technology. It will depend on how much complexity there is, what you're going to end up paying. How about fees? When we talk about filing fees, the patent office will charge us. What do we expect to file there? I hate to say it depends. It's a sliding scale depending on how many claims you've got. And so if you've got the basic number of claims, it's, I think, about 1,500. And if you're a small entity, which means less than 500 total employees, it's half that. If you have more claims, it's more money. But I typically try and keep it to the, the magic number, which is 20 claims or less. Yeah, you don't pay any excess any excess claims fees for twenty claims or less. So right, and and there also is a micro entity status that you can get, but that's pretty rare. But then again, some of your startups and some of your smaller inventors might be able to qualify for that. Oh yeah, and that's normally uh, even a quarter of that. So if it was fifteen hundred, it's a quarter of fifteen hundred now. So it's much smaller, but it's very. Uh, strict on what a micro entity is. It's like someone who's got a below a certain income, which changes every year and you have to look it up and has, I believe, less than three or four patents in the U.S. like so far in their lifetime. Yeah, that's uh, their patents. Yeah, there are some stipulations you have to meet, but it's not unheard of. You can save money if you're a micro entity. Yeah, and along those lines of cost-saving tips, though, we talk about micro-entity here, but what are some other tips that a startup or a, a, an inventor can put into practice that can save them money? Draft your own initial description, describing your invention in the best detail you can and load everything you think is important into that. If it's you know handed to the attorney or patent agent, that can also be a practitioner, on a silver platter, it's a lot easier to write the case. Also, if you do a prior art search, it's a lot easier to write the case. So those two things help a lot. If the patent practitioner has to drag the details out of the inventor, it's a lot harder and spent takes a lot more time. So preparation can save a lot of money. Yes. All right. So um, in the United States, we have what's called a grace period. Can you get into that a little bit? And why might that be important to a startup? Yeah, it's a personal grace period. And that means you're protected. If you publish something, you've got a year to get whatever that invention was in your publication on file. It doesn't help you if somebody else published the invention, unless they stole it from you. But in the case of your own publications, you've got one year to get filed in the United States and some other countries. There are some notable exceptions that don't give the grace period, unfortunately, like uh, most European countries. But countries like Japan, South Korea have recently adopted a grace period, just like the U.S. Right. So hypothetically, somebody inadvertently or on purpose discloses their invention here in the United States. They, they would be falling into that category of within that grace period for one year where they could still file, correct? That's right. And sadly, I don't care how important your invention is. If you miss the one-year deadline, you can't file a patent. Yeah, you lose your rights there. In that same vein, the United States recently changed its patent laws to what's called the first to file rule, essentially putting us in lockstep in line with pretty much everybody else in the rest of the world. Let's talk about that a little bit and why that might be important to a startup. And that dovetails with it's only a personal grace period now. In the old days, before the law changed, you had a year to get your application on file, regardless of who published. 
something that looked like your invention. And then you would have a battle to see who invented first. Now it's whoever gets the patent office first. And so you really have to be diligent about getting your application on file. If someone else files it first, then there's nothing you can do about trying to prove you did it before they did. Again, unless they stole it from you. Right. So file first or, or file often and file early is what the, what the name of the game is. That, it is. Yeah. Just like the rest of the world now. All right. Let's move to foreign jurisdictions. So most people that will be listening to this podcast will want to protect their invention in the United States, but there may be markets in foreign jurisdictions. What's your advice to those startups to protect their invention in a foreign country? If you get your first application on file, that's, let's call it the provisional application, we'll do that way. You've got one year to file everywhere in the world, but the trick doing that usually is file what's called a PCT application which is short for patent cooperation treaty. And this acts as a placeholder to give you another year and a half on top of the year after your provisional in order to file your cases in the individual countries. And the reason that's important is because actual foreign filing is very expensive. And you would hope between the one year from the provisional to the regular filing, and then the year and a half from the, this regular PCT filing to actual foreign country filing, you'll have a good idea if this invention is worth filing in a lot of places or maybe just a few or maybe none. Okay. Well, great. We're coming up about the time we need to wrap things up. I got a couple more questions for you. Maybe I'll throw a scenario at you, but before we get to that, we briefly spoke a little bit about some of the benefits of why a startup or a, or a small inventor would want a patent. Can you give any more tips? How can a well-managed and prioritized patent portfolio help a startup? Well, it'll do a couple of things. It'll work. In, it's, you know, you really, you, the whole idea is you're trying to make money and we're not in the business to generate patents. We're in the business to generate money. That's what a business is supposed to do. And it will help focus your research. It will protect it so that, like we said earlier, your would-be buyers or venture capital investors are going to be much more excited about your invention and much more excited about your company. And it'll also give you a bargaining chip if someone else has a competing patent. You'll very often have to play your portfolio against theirs and come to a, a negotiation where you'll both either give each other a royalty or let each other live and let live. So there's a lot of reasons you want to have a strong patent portfolio with your important inventions. And you, you want to prioritize to save money. You don't want to file on everything. You'll just burn through your cash. Right. So it's just another arrow in your quiver. Not only is it a moneymaker, but you can negotiate with patents. It's That's what right. I think that a lot of startups should understand is that it's a bargaining chip when it comes to potential infringement. You know, I've got this uh, technology you want. You've got that technology you think I'm infringing or something. But let's work together. Let's cross pollinate here and we won't uh, we won't fight. <laughs> I'll make the blue one. You make the red one. Very good. So I did want to give you the last 30 seconds here. And I want to give you just a, a the, here's the scenario, right? I'm a startup. Okay. I've got an innovation, an invention that I think is the next greatest thing. I want to start marketing my idea as soon as possible. Maybe seek venture capital. What's your recommendation on protecting my invention while still meeting those economic business goals? Yeah, I would say as soon as you can, talk to the patent practitioner and let them know what you're going to be doing so that they can give you advice early on to make sure you're going in the right direction as far as the kind of protection and you're, you're looking for and what you're going to need to get that protection. 
And the reason I say that is sometimes you have to do testing and build models and things just for your own sake to see what works and what doesn't work. Then after that, probably come up with a few different ways to do it and try and see if you can protect all of them in one patent or if it's going to take more. And all the way along product development, continually reevaluate the importance of what you've been filing and what you're going for to make sure it's still worth pursuing as the products get more and more developed. You basically want to have it working in conjunction with your product development timeline. Right. I think that's a really good point you pointed out there at the last. You want to make sure that the claims that you have in your patent application still cover what your commercial embodiment is. It's unfortunate when people have issued claims that mean nothing to their business. It's now they're just a, a nice piece of paper on the wall. Yeah. So that's where you work in conjunction with your patent practitioner, make sure that you both understand where the business is going and where the claims should be. Should that's be, right. Uh, yeah. Well, great. Tony, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. You've got a, a wealth of information and I think you gave us some really good tips to, to think about. I appreciate your time. Oh, glad to do it. This has been fun. All right. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. This has been an episode of the Bori's IP VIP podcast. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to speak to either myself or any of the guests, please feel free to reach out to us. You can contact us through Bori's website or via the Bori's Intellectual Property Updates webpage on LinkedIn. If you have a suggestion for a podcast topic or would like to recommend a particular guest, we'd love to hear from you. My name is Jeremy Harrison, and I hope you can join us next time. Bye.